We magnify your name, God. We thank you, God, because you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. We thank you, God, for healing, for deliverance, God, for setting us free, God, for saving our lives, God, for keeping our minds, God, for snatching us out of the pit. Oh, God, we bless you today. God, we bless you for saving us, God. And today, God, we bind up every mind-blinding spirit that will try to come in and wreak havoc on the minds of your people. We bind up every spirit that's not like you, God, that will try to creep in unaware, God, and steal the hearts of your people, oh God. We bind up every spirit, God. Every spirit of strife, contention, God, fear, doubt, and unbelief, we bind it up in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We decree and declare your word, God, that says he who's begun a good work in us shall be faithful to complete it. So, God, we thank you for the completed work, God, today. We thank you, God, that no weapon formed shall be able to prosper in this house. God, we plead in the plot of blood over the grounds of Miracle Temple, God. We plead in the plot of blood over the minds and the bodies and the spirits, God, of every living soul in this building, God. And we thank you, God, that you have already bound up all our wounds mentally, emotionally, socially, and financially in Jesus' name. And God, we bless you today for what you're doing. We thank you, God, for what you've already done. We thank you, God, for what you are yet going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the king. (laughs) God is doing amazing things. And I tell you what, if we just get under the spout where the glory come out, it'll be all right. But some, one of the things that keeps us from being in position and staying in the right position is distractions. And that's one thing we're going to deal with today, uh, some distractions. And we just thank you, God. Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Samuel chapter 15. And we're going to talk about the spirit of Absalom. You know, that spirit that steals the heart of the people away from where they're supposed to be. <laughs> Let me see. I may want to back up a little bit. 14. Fifteen verse one. And we're going to read. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him and Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate and it was so and when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment then Absalom called on him and said of what city art thou and he said thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel and Absalom said unto him see thy matter are good and right but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee you may be seated we're going to talk about today the spirit of Absalom that comes to steal the heart of the people away from the Lord. One of the things that you want to look at when you're talking about the spirit of Absalom, that spirit has an independent spirit. Now, when you look at the spirit of Absalom, there are different stages that that spirit goes through. You remember King David in the Bible. He was a man of God's own heart, and he was one who killed Goliath with a stone from his slingshot. He was a king of Israel. David sinned with Bathsheba. He was the father of the wisest man in the world, which was Solomon, and he, uh, he had another son, uh, Absalom. Absalom was praised 
as the most handsome man in Israel. And it says that he was flawless from head to foot. He cut his hair only one time a year, and that was because it was, got so heavy. Otherwise, he wouldn't have cut his hair. Can you imagine dragging around 20 pounds of hair? I mean, you know, for some of us women, that might be wonderful. <laughs> the Rapunzel action, right? Okay, and Absalom killed his brother Amnon because Amnon raped his sister Tamar. And then when you go on down in the scripture, that put a conflict between David and Absalom. And when David finally invited Absalom back to Jerusalem, Absalom worked to take the kingdom away from David. Amen. So we have to be careful who we inviting in our surroundings because you don't know what the real reason is that person is in your midst. Amen. That excuse me, Absalom's spirit is alive and well, and today that spirit is literally working to try to destroy the houses of God. If you look at 2 Samuel 14, it talks about how Joab thought he knew better than uh, David. Now, what did Joab do? He went and told the old lady to go put on some clothes like you're in mourning and then come and trick the king. If you read uh, chapter 14, that was, a, that was a lie. He told her to come talk to the king trick him, get him to get his, in a nutshell, get him to get the son Absalom back into the kingdom. But that may not have been what God wanted because Absalom ended up stealing the kingdom and the hearts of the people from the king. When you talk about the spirit of Absalom, one of the things you want to look at is an independent spirit. And the first, this independent spirit it's a, when a person no longer wants to serve leadership but seeks recognition, recognition and reputation. All of a sudden, the person that's infected with this spirit will begin to pull back on serving and become more self-promoting because they want to be recognized according to their title. That is something that we have to be very, very careful of. Those of us that are in leadership, coming up in leadership, you don't want to allow an independent spirit to overtake you because then you'll try to overthrow leadership and where God has had you. And, you know, when you have that, when a person is infected with that spirit, they want everybody to know their name. You know who I am. You have to call me by my title. You know, like Apostle was saying yesterday, when we stand before God, he's not going to be calling you Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Teacher, Pastor. It's going to be your name. It's not going to be that. So Absalom knew he looked good. Look at verse Second uh, Samuel 2, 14 25 now when a person is infected about with the excuse me with the independent spirit number one they know they look good and they have an agenda and a motive it says but in all israel there was none not so much praise as absalom for his beauty from the sole of his foot even to the crown of his head there was no blemish in him and when you look in the bible to have a blemish in the body of a man or animal it could also be called a defect or a, a conduct of character now Absalom had the upper hand because he knew he looked good. He knew that the people admired the way he looked. If you look in the Bible, a previous king, uh, he was he looked good as well, and the people admired his look. Now that was a trend. People nowadays are literally looking for the look and not the spirit of God in a person. As long as you dressed up on the outside and you look good and you look the part, people will follow you. If you can talk a good talk and not walk in the walk, people nowadays don't even care how you living as long as you look like something. That's where the church is today. If you got to look, I mean, you know, one thing that really bothers me is People have the look, but the spirit of God is not upon them. 
The spirit of God is not operating in them effectively. Why? Because there is no killing of the flesh. You know, we have to lay our flesh on the altar. We have to kill it. Amen. But this is one thing that Absalom had. He had good looks and he knew it. He knew if you look back in Leviticus, turn to Leviticus 21, 16 through 30, excuse me, 23. And what happened is when a priest was blemished, they were literally precluded from approaching the offer to offer fire or any offerings. They could not do anything. And so if you think about it, Israel knew the history of what a blemish was. And they knew that if there was someone in their midst that didn't have a blemish from head to toe, we could use that person. See, and that's what the church is today. No matter what type of internal blemishes a person may have, and they're not trying to get rid of them as long as they look good, they sound good, they talk a good game, they want to be used. And people will let them be used no matter what the inside looks like. And we have to be careful of that. 21, 16 through 33. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto Aaron, saying, whosoever he be of thy seed of their generations that have any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. Now, it said that Solomon didn't have any blemish. Absalom, excuse me. It said that Absalom did not have any blemishes. And it goes on in verse 18, for whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach whether it be a blind man, a lame man, or he has a flat nose or anything uh, superfluous, or a man that has a broken footed or a broken hand or a crooked back or a dwarf or that has a blemish in his eye or the scurvy or scabe or has stone broken, no man that has a blemish of the seed of Aaron, the priest shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire, he that blemish. He that hath a blemish, he hath not come nigh to offer the bread unto his God. He shall not eat of the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. Now, when you look at, see, priests couldn't even do anything if they had a blemish. You know, that would, that would kind of exclude all of us. I mean, you know, if you had a broken bone, you couldn't be a priest. I mean, you couldn't offer. If you had some, some type of scabies or scars, if you ever had something going on with your skin, you couldn't, you, you were blemished. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that removed all the blemishes that we can approach the throne of grace. Amen. But here we see that Solomon was perfect, but Solomon had internal blemishes. He was full of himself. He came with the a whole uh, he came with the whole idea of wanting to steal the kingdom. When you look at the spirit of um, Absalom, another thing that you want to be careful of is self-promotion. When a person wants to always self-promote themselves, they are looking for the praises of men. First Samuel chapter 15 tells us that Absalom stood by the gate of the city and stole the hearts of the people. If you look at verse 15, 1, let me go back over there. Second Samuel, it says, and it came to pass after this, that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now, when he knew when he did that, he knew how to position himself. He did not do that because he wanted to speed and get there in a hurry. He did that because of the fanfare and the show. He wanted people to see that. Look at all that I have. I got all these chariots. I got all these horses. Ain't that kind of like an entourage when a person walk in and they got 30 people walking in front of them and, you know, security all around them? You know, come on now. 
But Absalom did that because he was playing up to what the people wanted to see. And whenever you're dealing with that spirit of self-promotion under the spirit of Absalom, they're going to do every, that spirit is going to do every single thing it needs to do to make you think that they got it going on. And that's exactly what he did. He wanted, he wanted the chariots to go before him to impress the people. And he knew what the people wanted. Literally, what did he do? He cultivated and he enticed and he excited an image in their mind. And when you look at that, Apostle has been talking about your mind. So a man thinketh so as he becomes. Amen. If you think about something long enough, you'll become it. He was literally protracting an image of power of prestige, of you're going to serve me because when people come in on the scene, they're looking for somebody to serve them. And this is what uh, the spirit of Absalom does. And it says also that he rose up early. What did that mean? He worked hard. Now, in the Old Testament, during this particular time, the uh, kings, they were kind of like a supreme court, and they solved the matters of the land and of the people. But what did Solomon do? He got up before the king. He got up before the king and stood at the gate in order to get the people to come and serve him. He knew how to position himself. Whenever a person is infected with the spirit of of, uh, Absalom, they know how to position themselves to steal the heart of the people. He looked for anyone that had a lawsuit. He knew that people would position themselves in the parking lot. Apostle, they'll stay, hang out by the bathroom door when they, somebody got, I got a word from you. The, the pastor may not have a word, but you know, they didn't tell you everything, but I, you know, they'll be out there when you get out your car, they'll be out there with that word. They'll call you up on the phone. I, I know that that word sounded good, but I, I got a word for you. She didn't quite give you all the word that God had. That's a spirit of Absalom trying to infect you. You better go back and read Jude when it says certain men crept in unaware. It's people that the enemy plants right in the house of God today that have crept in. They have snuggled them themselves in and they look like a sheep. They talk like a sheep. They act like a sheep, but they're a wolf. And God is going to expose the wolves. I'm asking God to pull the cover off of every wolf in America that has infiltrated the churches of God that have caused splits and divisions and isms and schisms because their whole uh, thrust in this whole thing is to divide God's church and cause it to crumble so that we cannot be effectual witnesses. And God wants us to be effectual witnesses. But if that spirit of Absalom has infected the people, it will literally run rampant in the house of God. And what he did was he stood at the gate and he looked for anyone that had a lawsuit. You know, people will stand right at the door of the church and look for anyone that got an issue. Let me help you with that. He reached out to them. Now, check that out. It said that he reached out to them. If you read that whole scripture. Now, back then, kings, they didn't, they weren't, they didn't extend their hands to people. They didn't do that. The people, when they came to the king to solve a matter, the person extended their hand to the king. And then at that time, it was up to the king to extend their hand back to them. But what did Absalom do? He did that 
to gain the trust of the people. So he extended himself. How many of you know that you have to watch out for people that are always extending themselves to you? You better ask God for uh, the spirit of discerning of spirit so that we'll know who we're really dealing with. Because the enemy is cunning, he's crafty, and he's very slick. And that's what Absalom did. He stood there and he reached out. He took personal interest on where they came from because he asked them, where you come from? What land you come from? He, uh, he took interest in their case. He acted as if, you know, he didn't really bash the king up front, but under, under what he was saying, he was very cunning at how he did what he did because he was telling them, well, you know, I'll hear your case. I'm the one that can make it all better. I'll settle this matter for you. Now, he didn't bash the king, but he was planting seeds in the mind of the people that would say, you know what? The king can't do it. I might as well get Absalom. Because after all, he was his son. So why wouldn't the people trust him? So you have to be careful about people that snug up to you and get close to you when all the while they want the kingdom. And I'm going to go a step further. All the while they want to take the kingdom of God out of you and put the spirit of them in you. He did write out to say, he didn't do his, excuse me, he didn't write out, say anything bad about David, but he did plant those seeds. He heard the cases. And you know, it's, it's one thing to be in a situation and you need somebody to hear you. But remember, the king hadn't got up yet. So Absalom got there before. You know, when you're desperate, you, you know, you'll be to church two hours early, sitting in the parking lot waiting. But here come Absalom pulling up next to you. What's wrong? What you need? And then there you go, telling all your business, telling all the business to Absalom. (laughs) All the while, Absalom is trying to start their own stuff right under the nose of the leader. And that's how that spirit steals the heart of the people. People want to see, just like in churches today, people want to see a procession. They want to see the fanfare. They got to have a look. And surely if the look is there, so is the anointing. That's what people think. I tell you what, I've been to some little old bitty churches with four or five members and the anointing was so heavy. They weren't driving any, they had hoopties and that's all right, honey. I tell you what, I drove a hoopty for years. I tell you what, but I tell you, it wasn't about what they drove. It wasn't about what they had. It was about what they had on the inside. So you can't get caught up in fanfare. The spirit of Solomon will make you think. I'm saying this again and again. It will make you think if a ministry look a certain way, the anointing is there. But honey, let me tell you, if you don't have the spirit of the living God down in your belly, when you talk, things ought to shift. When you walk into a room, things ought to begin to be shaken up in the realm of the spirit. When you open your mouth and begin to decree and declare the word of God, there ought to be a shifting in the atmosphere. When you come into it on a scene and you see something ain't right, you can begin to speak to it. And honey, if it ain't moving, then I need to go and check myself. If my atmosphere is not shifting, if I walk into an atmosphere that's full of hell, when I begin to decree and declare the word, I tell you what, that atmosphere need to be, should be able to be filled with the glory of God at that point. Atmosphere shifters. Do we want to really be one? See, you're going to have to, there is a price to be paid to be able to shift the atmosphere wherever you go. 
It takes time in the word. It takes time in prayer. And it takes time in being totally sold out to God no matter what. You cannot be moved. You can't be fair. We can't be fair weather Christians today. We're happy tomorrow. We sad today because it went right. I'm giving God the glory tomorrow. When it don't go right, I'm cussing everybody out. You cannot vacillate between two opinions, the devil, the world, and God, and say, I'm going to be in the middle today. I'm going to be with God tomorrow. I'm going to be with the devil today, but today I'm going to be in the middle. I'm going to be wishy-washy. That is not working. That does not produce power. If you want to live under the authority and the power of the Holy Ghost, we literally have to be sold out to God. We have to have the attitude, for God I live, for God I die. See, the apostle, people don't want to die no more. People don't want to give up nothing. Nothing. Don't want to give up an hour to labor in the word. And that ain't even long enough. Don't want to give up an hour to labor in prayer. God says, get up. No, God, I'm tired. You know, I work like, no, God says, get up. See, when we don't obey God, there are things that God is trying to get to you through obedience. But if we can't even discipline our flesh to get up and pray when he say pray, what are we missing? What was the petition that God wanted to give you during prayer that you missed because you would not get up? See, we have to pray according to the will of God. And when we pray according to the will of God, God answers what he gives us to pray, which is the word praying through us. But a lot of times, apostle, people begin to pray amiss. They pray whatever's on their heart, whatever's on their mind. And God said, I ain't say pray for that. I already got that covered. But we're so selfish with our prayers. We don't want to pray what God is saying. Pray. We don't want to do it because it's not about us. That's the real reason. That's the real reason we won't pray and intercede in, in, on behalf of the church is because it ain't about us. Did I just crush some toes? Amen. Hallelujah. Call me apostle toe crusher today. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> no See, apostle, that's what God showed me. The reason that we don't pray for the things of the kingdom is because it may not involve us. We may be praying behind the scenes to push someone forward, to make something happen, to bust open whatever walls or issues that may be hindering. See, even when we're praying against hindering spirits, I've learned that when I pray, most times God does not direct me to pray for myself. I can't even pray for myself. He always have me praying for something or somebody else. Why? Because he already got me covered. He is using you to begin to speak out of your mouth the word of God so you will begin to see change. When was the last time we went around the church and decreed and declared over every chair? Oh, yeah, this chair is filled. Oh, yeah, this empty chair next to me. Yep, this whole row is filled. These are some things that we're going to have to begin to do. We have to call those things that are not as though they were, and you will begin to see change in the house of God in your own house. You do not have to put up with the devil. (laughs) And I refuse to put up with him because he ain't nobody. To me. But you know what? If the devil is somebody to you, you'll put up with him, huh? (laughs) Another thing when you're talking about the spirit of Absalom, the spirit of uh, pride is in there. 
And when you look at that spirit of pride, he he wanted recognition, he wanted praise, and he deceived the individuals and they began to believe that he's more spiritual than others. A person operate that spirit of absolute spirit of pride, I'm more spiritual than you. I know more than the pastor. Well, if God wanted us to be Apostle Amanda, he'd have put us in Apostle Amanda's place. Amen. (laughs) But we're not. The spirit of pride is the same spirit that affects Korah. And we know that that led to Korah's demise in Numbers chapter 16. And that's something that when I first got in ministry, God dealt with me so hard on pride. He had me reading number 16. I can tell you all about it. Because he wanted the priesthood. Whenever that spirit of pride is in operation, they will go gather up people of like mind to to them and try to overthrow leadership because they want the leadership. That is exactly what Korah did. Just to give a synopsis, he went, he gathered up Dathan, Abiram, and On. Eventually On got away because he realized that Korah was out of order. But what happened to Korah, he ended up dead. The earth swallowed him. Uh, 250 elders in the congregation were smoked but this all came out of that spirit of pride and wanting and rebellion and wanting what God did not call him to have this spirit of Absalom would do that Nadab and Abihu Aaron's son they offered up strange fire before the Lord because they were not authorized to do that and you can't come into the temple doing stuff that God did not call you to do See, pride and arrogance will have you, well, I can do that. I'm a priest. I can do that. I have the anointing. Y'all wake up. (laughs) Look, am I that preacher? (laughs) Am I that preacher that uh, preached so long that you fall over? (laughs) And I can come raise you back up. Hey, if I see you sleeping, I'm going to say wake up, (laughs) okay? Because obviously you need to hear this. We all do. So Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, offered up strange fire before the Lord. They were doing that because they got beside themselves. They got full of pride, and they thought that they could do what they wanted to do. Another spirit that you're going to deal with when you're looking at the spirit of Absalom is an offended spirit. Apostle teaches a lot about the spirit of offense. But when Absalom is in operation, that spirit of offense is heavy. Why? Because it goes hand in hand with spiritual pride. And when the ideas and gifts are not promoted by leadership, as they believe they should be, they become highly offended and they will often seek out others to agree with them in what they're saying or doing because they got offended. So now that spirit of offense got to go find somebody to come into agreement with them. If, and how does that operate in your mind? In Romans 8, 5 through 8, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, to be carnally minded is death. But when the enemy is trying to grab you, that scripture is not going to be the one to pop in your head. To be carnally minded is death. And it goes on to say, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For the carnal mind is hostile towards God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. And those who are flesh in the flesh cannot please God. So when a person is operating in, out of an offended spirit, their mind is not focused on the things of the kingdom. When offense takes root, the first place it comes after is your mind because you begin to think. So is a man thinketh, so is he. 
so does he become. So I'm offended. My mind just got all twisted up. If offense can attach itself to your thoughts, it owns your ability to process understanding. And the moment that offense attaches itself to your mind, the ability to have clarity and peace is diminished. You cannot be in peace when you offended. Because then you think everybody is doing something. As every, you know, and then also as everything now comes about feeding every thought that's only directed through hurt and offense. So then how can I talk about this? Because I've been there. I've been there. I've been there to the point to where I couldn't even sleep at night. Offense. And then it turned into suspicion. They talking about me. <laughs> Brother Elijah, they talking about me. Did you hear that? Yeah, that was me. So offended. So jacked up. I didn't have peace. It also, whenever you get into that spirit of offense under the spirit of Absalom, it's, it's self-promotion. It's your time. And that's very dangerous. It also affects your sight and your vision. If you look at Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. If a person is walking in a spirit of offense, they're not happy with nobody, including they self. They just offended all the day long. And they're going to come and try to infect you with that same spirit. You know, misery loves company. But according to Proverbs, it says... But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Another thing that that spirit of offense under the spirit of Absalom does, it affects your heart. Proverbs 6, 9, excuse me, 6, 16 through 19, six things the Lord hates. Yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, the hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that are swift to run to mischief, a false witness who speak lies, and he who sows discord among the brethren. This is a very a very, very dangerous place to find yourself. In the moment that offense attaches to your heart, every single thing you do becomes toxic and dangerous. Because the Bible says, out of the heart, out of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So what's in your heart is coming out. And if you have offense and it's gotten in your heart, then you become toxic to everything and everybody that you're around because now you got a chip on your shoulder and now you out to get somebody because offense has set in your spirit and now the pastor can't even tell you nothing. People that have good intentions for you all of a sudden become the bad guy because in your heart, Offense has taken a root and it's become toxic. We have to get rid of toxic relationships. You know, I had this, when I was thinking about this message, I said, you know, Lord, if I'm toxic to myself, get rid of me. Now, I ain't talking about kill myself. I'm talking about get rid of the flesh. Get rid of what's in me that's toxic to me. We can do things in our lives that are toxic to our own self. Now, you know what? That's really deep, ain't it? The spirit of offense gets in your mind, in your spirit, in your heart, and you begin to sabotage your own destiny. 
That is what the enemy wants you to sabotage yourself. So you can't be no good to you and nobody else. And so if the spirit of sabotage is in there, everything you touch, you remember King Midas, everything he touched turns to go, uh uh-uh, honey, everything you touch is going to turn to ash. But that's a trick of the enemy to get you to sabotage yourself. And it's very dangerous. It's out of the abundance that your heart, that everything about your true intentions are revealed. No, no man by the spirit. I I don't want to know no man by the flesh. I really, really don't want to know anybody by the flesh. And you don't want to know me by the flesh. We want to know people by the spirit. The Bible says for as many are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. And it also says that no, no, no man by the flesh. So we can't look at people and assume that they are a certain way. We have to know them by the spirit. And if you know what, if you ask the Lord about somebody, he'll tell you. He'll tell you who you're dealing with. He'll tell you what you're working with. And it's up to us to believe what we hear him when the Lord say it. Amen. Another thing that that spirit does when you're talking about an offended spirit that operates under the spirit of Absalom. Hearing it'll affect your hearing. James uh, 1 19 through 20 says, therefore, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger for anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Offense will attack your hearing. A spirit of offense will attach itself to your hearing in such a way, not only will your natural hearing be affected, but it will also affect your ability to hear spiritually, and that will be tainted. And we'll begin to hear what others are saying and process those things to be slanderous towards us. And this is all under a spirit of offense that's under the spirit of Absalom, trying to steal the kingdom. So the the real trick of the enemy here is to get you so wound up in your thinking and in your hearing that you will begin to think slanderous towards your own self. And it also affects the ability for you to hear what God is saying. Your spiritual ear will become more tuned into lies and manipulation and deception of the enemy than of God. One of the things that we have to do is detoxify ourselves from liars, cheaters, slanderers, whoremongers, tailbearers, backstabbers, drug addict, alcoholic thieves, witches, warlocks. You know, when you look at these things that we have to really begin to detach ourselves from, have we really detached? Are we attached to tailbearers? Somebody always got to run, go tell it. Got to, I can't help it. I just had to tell you this. Shut them down. Honey, if you ain't talking about the word, don't talk to me, please. I got to protect my ear gate. And might I add, watch what you watch on TV. There's some really foul stuff out there. That's spiritual. Um, another spirit under the spirit of <clears throat> absolute is a critical spirit. And when you talk about a critical spirit at this point, all decisions, when you look at that, a person that's infected with that, every decision that the leader makes is begin to be questioned and undermined to the people. And that's a critical spirit. Absalom no longer can receive any spiritual feeding or direction from the leadership. So everything that apostle says, I got to pick it apart. 
What does she really mean by that? Those are the people that leave the church. And that goes right back to the garden when the serpent asked Eve that deadly question, did God really say that? He was literally criticizing, picking apart what God said. Did God really say that? Did the leader really say that? Yeah. (laughs) You're going to look at a competitive spirit. Now, this is something that really gets on my nerves in the kingdom because you have a lot of leaders with a spirit of competition. They're competing against one another. Church members are competing against one another. And the spirit of Absalom also has a competitive spirit. And what they do is they literally set themselves up in competition with church leadership and begin to distort, misrepresent the decision and directives that the leaders are giving. When you look at this, competition and jealousy go hand in hand in the Bible. And the Bible says that jealousy is cruel as the grave. And a jealous person with a competitive spirit will stop at nothing to outdo you. If you look back at, I was looking at um, Eli's sons, Hophni and Pinehas. They were some interesting characters. They were also known as sons of Belial. And it was almost like they was trying to outdo one another with being foul. Thank you. Just being foul. They were doing everything. Their father would not discipline them. Of course, we know that he lost the kingdom. But when they got into competition with one another, when they were, you know, sleeping with the women and drinking, all of a sudden they had to go out into battle and they came back and got the Ark of the Covenant thinking that the ark was going to save them, but it was no saving. What ended up happening is they lost the battle. They ended up dead. You cannot go beyond the grace of God. And if you have a competitive spirit, you end up losing the battle every time because you will begin to do things that are outside of your character, outside of the character of God to try to win some people over or win a battle. Just like when they went out into battle, they lost. They weren't even aware that you can't just go get the ark. So once you get into a spirit that begins to overtake you, all of a sudden you out here and then you think you're going to come back, go get the Bible, run into battle with the Bible, but you ain't been praying, you ain't been fasting, you ain't been in the word. It's not going to work like that. If there's nothing in there to work with, Hophni and Pinehas thought that it was going to work like that, but it didn't. They just went and got the ark because they assumed Because the ark was stationed there that they could go and get it and it was going to work for them. We have to be so careful that we don't allow these spirits to overtake us. That spirit will also sow strife and division. What was Absalom doing when he was sitting at the gate? He was underhandedly sowing strife and division against the kingdom of his father and also cunningly, without saying it, in the minds of the people. I can handle your issues. You know, the king, he ain't get up early as I did. If the, if, if the king really was going to handle your issues, they would have been there. Not so. Spirit of Absalom. They'll sow strife and division. And they'll take those offenses that people have in the church and they'll spread it around through telephone calls, meal times together. You know, when I was living in Michigan, when I first got into ministry, I was very green and I didn't know how people did what they did. Somebody invited me out to lunch. And they begin to talk about the leader. 
and I'm just having a regular old conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Didn't know that they were setting me up. Didn't know that they were using that opportunity to get as much information because I was walking close to the leader, but I didn't know all this stuff. I didn't know the church politics. I didn't know about all these uh, spirits of strife. I didn't know that the person had a vendetta against the leader. But here I was, happy-go-lucky. Oh, they invited me out to lunch. Uh Uh-uh. You have to use discern of spirits to even know why people are inviting you out. Why why you want to go to lunch with me? And I'm not saying being suspicious, but we have to know why people do the things they do. Are they causing the havoc in the church? If they are, I'm not going to lunch with you because you got a hidden motive and agenda. So it ended up getting back to my leader and he called me into the office and oh boy, I got a spiritual whooping that day. Allison, you are not to talk about, I said, oh, that's what they, they don't even, they are trying to bring the ministry down. They have something against us. I didn't even know it, but there I was yapping and yapping and running my mouth being happy-go-lucky, and all the while, that spirit was trying to get as much information from me as they could in order to bring down the ministry, looking for something. That spirit of Absalom will look for anything. They will look for any entryway into the church, into what's going on, in order to bring, conquer, and divide, sow strife and division among the church. And then that spirit also accuses leadership. When you're dealing with the spirit of Absalom, they don't care. They're going to accuse the leadership. That's what Absalom did. And then eventually, eventually they will openly display unloyalty and division. A people, a person that follows that spirit or allows that spirit to infect them, they'll openly begin to Stand up in the leader's face and tell them what they ain't going to do. It's serious nowadays. We're dealing with some spirits now that are bold. And I tell you what, we have to be bolder. And that's why we have to have to have the spirit of the living God in us so much so that when things begin to happen, when things begin to manifest, we know how to deal with them according to the word of God and not according to the flesh. Now, I'm not going to stand here and, and allow a spirit of Absalom because I know I'm not trying to promote myself. We're not, we don't have an independent spirit. We're not trying to do things independently of what God has us doing here. Amen. We're not going to walk in spiritual pride thinking that I know more than my leader. God puts leaders in places because we all need to be underneath somebody. Jesus was underneath God. Amen. Jesus, the enemy is the only spiritual thing that has a independent spirit in the realm of the spirit. And everything that the enemy tries to infect upon us will cause havoc in our lives if we are not aware of it. So we have to beware of the Absalom spirit. We have to beware of that spirit when it tries to infect you, when you want to become offended, when you want to, you know, just go places and do things that you shouldn't do, when you want to, when a person has a critical spirit, criticizing every little bitty thing. People make mistakes. People misspeak themselves. Don't be so critical when you have a competitive spirit where you want to compete with everything. If I get this, you got to go get that. I'm going to leave that right there. 
sowing strife and division among the saints, accusing leadership. These are things. And then eventually that stuff, if not left unchecked, it will cause a church split. It'll cause people to come into the house of God and begin to set up ministries and all this stuff. All the while, their whole um, reason for doing so is to draw people out and unto themselves. I have a ministry, Fire and Rain Ministries, but I am not going to sit up in here and have secret Bible studies with you all. I am not going to sit up in here and be, and you come to me for advice, and I'm not going to say, you better go talk to pastor. Uh Uh-uh, ain't happening. That's a spirit of division. And when people are having anointing on their life to draw people, if God is giving you anointing and you draw people, make sure that you are pointing them to the house of God and to the leadership here, because if not, the enemy will secretly try to use you to set up your own stuff and pull people out of the house where God has you. And so we have to be very careful of that. Amen. That's my message for today. Did we not get the word? God is good, isn't he? And I'm telling you, you always have to be ready to go forward outside of how you feel. Amen. And I give God glory for that message because if all y'all heard that message about the spirit of Absalom, it will help us to do what God has called us to do without dragging people out of where they are. Amen. So take heed to what God is saying. So I honor God's word. So make sure you go home and you listen over and over again to say, God, I heard what you're saying to me. It ain't about looking at nobody else, y'all. It's about us. Look at you first. But God is still doing a work even amongst us, Miracle Temple. And understand this, what God is doing, he's letting all of us know you are in the world, but you are not of the world. So when you come into the house of God, you're the church, you're carrying him. And when you come into the house of God, you're coming in to get encouraged, you're coming in to get strengthened, you're coming in to get taught, you're coming in to get built up. So when you go outside of the house, whatever is coming at you, you'll be saying, thank you, Jesus. I've been taught that. I have no excuse for that. Because you're pulling back from the world because you're in the world, but you don't do like the world does. So this is why when you come into a house that's teaching, I advise you to take that teaching because you're going to need what God is saying from you from this day forward. Amen. So we honor God for apostle coming in and giving us that message. I know I thank God for her coming in at the last moment. And let me tell y'all, it was late when we got back last night. So I was sitting up and I was just refreshing myself in the word and apostle say, apostle, you ready for the word? I said, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I am. So I sat there and as long as I sat there, I said, okay, Holy Spirit. So I text her. I said, you want to bring the word tomorrow? She said, sure. That was 1130 last night. So what am I saying? When you're full of him. When you're full of the word, it don't matter what time somebody call you, you're going to be on point. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that to say this. We didn't have no conversation on what she should bring. 
She didn't have time to drum up what she should bring to the body of Christ. She bought what the spirit led her to bring. Amen. So that gets rid of suspicion. Hallelujah. See, God always know how to come in and bring it, don't he? He does. Um, so we're just going to go ahead on with our announcements at this time. Do we have any um, announcements that um, we need to bring back to the body of Christ? Announcements? After 